Well, Lord God, we come as a blessed people. Here we are, Lord, humbling ourselves before you, the creator of heaven and earth. Yet, Lord God, we recognize your presence here with us. You're a God who wants to speak into our lives, to encourage us. Thank you that it is all about who you are and not who we are. Lord, we anchor ourselves to you. And Lord, we open our ears and hearts to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. So good to have Jody sharing uh, with us this morning. Jody's our pastor of women's ministry, looking after that conference with a great team there. Also over Bridge Care, the Op Shop. We're all blessed by the Op Shop. Many um, ministries actually really blessed to have her sharing with her. Could we, with us this morning, could we welcome her this morning? That'd be great. Thank you. That grace that we were just singing about, that is definitely for me. Um, It is awesome to be here. It is a privilege to be standing on this stage. And I always think I have the best view of you all up here. You made a good decision to come to church today. Well done. Just look around and go, I'm so glad you're here. The mezzanine and those of you joining online this morning, it is great to have you here as well. Well, I did just want to take a moment to encourage you to come along to Wonder, but also last week we mentioned that we launched a Stories of Wonder podcast. And can I just say, this was an idea, a little vision that I felt like God gave me. We love hearing the stories of people in this place. I love listening to podcasts. And God kind of went, Jody, you should put that together. Um, But I didn't have the skills or the ability to really do that. So I sat on that little vision for a long time. And this year I have been so blessed by our interns, the little group of um, amazing young women that I mentor kind of caught a hold of that vision and went, Jody, you should do this. And I said, well, maybe you should help me. <laughs> um, and so Jesus is so gracious to us all. They are much better at technology than I am, although we're all kind of working on this journey together. And we launched our first podcast episode Um, a week or so ago with Alison Rattray sharing her story, amazing story, amazing heart in the area that God's called her to in this healing ministry. Then just this week, we interviewed Tracy Nowicki. Is she here today? I wasn't sure if she would be, but just six months ago, she had a bike accident, was lying on Hamilton Road on her way to work, and they didn't think she would live Six months later, just this week, she celebrated her 60th birthday and did a bike ride up Mount O'Reilly's in the Sunshine Coast hinterland. If that is not a testimony to God's goodness and God's grace, you'll be blessed to hear that story. And she testifies to the miracle of God in her life, which is so powerful. I think this afternoon or later tonight, we're interviewing Kim Chapman, who's just come back from Uganda on a work trip to you, Watoto, so lots of great stories. And I know you all have a great story to share. To share, And in faith, I'm just gonna say we'll get to every single one of you over the next however many years that takes. Um, probably Iris and Steph Amelia are like shaking in their boots right now, but um, in faith. There's something great about listening online, but there is something really powerful about sharing stories together. And women, I do just wanna encourage you to come along to Wonder Conference It will be a blessing um, to be there. Bring your friends along. There'll be worship. There'll be markets. Um, There's a conference for girls at the same time. The high school girls at the same time will have fun together, hear from God together. And I know God wants to speak powerfully. Um, We have asked Ellen Turnbull to share um, from God's Word this year in our stories sort of segment. And this week, Ellen came in to have a practice, actually. And her Connect Group leader, Leighton, um, came along to sit in the auditorium just so she'd have someone to practice too. And then he messaged me or sent me an email straight away and said, Jody, will there be a video of Wonder? Because the men in our church would be blessed to hear Ellen speak. Um, and I can't guarantee a video, but we'll, we'll try. But women, that says um, you need to be there. Don't miss out. If the men want to be here and can't be, you have to be here, okay? There is something really special about sharing stories together. And that kind of links into this incredible story that we get to look at today from the book of Genesis. I have to say that when Andrew told me, Pastor Andrew told me I was continuing in Genesis Um, and I would have the story of Rebecca to preach on today, I actually have to confess, I wondered what God would tell us out of Rebecca's story. 
And before you harshly judge me for that, um, for those of you who have grown up reading Bible stories, what comes to your mind when you think about Rebecca? Isn't she the terrible mother who shows favoritism to one of her sons and then deceives her husband into giving the youngest son the family blessing over the oldest son? Is that what comes to your mind when you think of Rebecca? Well, I have to confess, church, I have made some very big assumptions here and have had a very narrow view of Rebecca's story. And as always, I've been super blessed to dig into God's Word this week and see a whole different side to this incredible woman and her faith journey, which spans four chapters of the book of Genesis that we're looking at in this series. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our stories woven into your story. And we ask now that your Holy Spirit would speak. Your presence is here with us. We thank you, God. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Rebecca's story starts in the context of God's unfolding covenant with Abraham. Pastor Peter shared on it about this last week. Abraham left his home following the call of God to a new land with a covenant promise of blessing that would come to his obedience. God would make Abraham's family into a great nation. His name would be great and all peoples on the earth would be blessed through him. There were a few obstacles and challenges in the first generation of this covenant. More than a few times, actually, when God's promises seem to be just hanging by a thread as we're waiting for them to unfold. But he's proving his faithfulness in his story to his people. And here, We come into this story believing this covenant promise for another generation, the second generation. This covenant has been spoken over. Sarah had recently died. Isaac is nearly 40. And Abraham decides it is time to find his son a wife. What a great dad. How helpful is that? Abraham's faithfulness to God's promise means that it matters to him where Isaac's wife comes from. God's promise to give his people the land was not going to be through intermarrying and assimilation with the people groups around them. So Abraham, asking God and taking this all very seriously before God, decided that a suitable wife would be found in his hometown. He could not disobey God by leaving Canaan himself. He wouldn't do that. Nor would he risk um, letting Isaac go to find his own wife for fear of him leaving the promised land. So he sent his most senior servant in his household, obviously someone he trusted um, for this very important task. Would you trust the oldest person in your family to go back to your town of birth to choose the marriage partner for you or your kids? Just have a think about that. Any grandparents who'd put their hand up for that job? Peter. (laughs) Peter in the front row. Good on you, Pete. I was thinking what this would look like in my family and it would look like sending my mum back to my hometown of Gympie to go and choose wives for my boys in a couple of years. I can tell you that would not go down well. Abraham's servant took an oath before God and accepted this challenge of loading up 10 camels for a journey of about 800 kilometres. When he arrived at the town of Abraham's family, this is how the story unfolds. We read in Genesis chapter 4 from verse 11. He, the servant, had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, 
Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for, the servant, for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Bit of an unusual request, bit of a fleece that Pete was talking about last week, put out there to God. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. Just pause there for a moment. Enter Rebecca. The character of our story, the main character here. Rebecca is just an ordinary, everyday person going about her ordinary, everyday duties. This is just like every other day. She's coming out to the well towards the end of the day to get the water that her family need for the night time. And even a stranger at the well isn't really that out of the ordinary or unusual. Pick up again in verse 17. The servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Just asking for a little bit of water here. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. Pause there again. Providing a drink to a stranger was quite customary and polite, a polite thing to do. Um, It wasn't out of the ordinary that this man had actually asked her to do that. The unexpected part of this story and the fleece that had been put out by the servant comes next. Verse 19. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. I'm trying to emphasise that. Did you hear that? It doesn't seem that important, but it is. I need you to appreciate the kind of girl Rebecca is here as we take in this scene. She's obviously kind enough to talk to a stranger and help him out with a bit of a drink. Um, even though she's in the middle of her own day's work. Um, but there's a, there's a level of generosity here that is actually just amazing. She offers, he's not asking her, she offers to draw water for his camels. Now, if a camel has been on a long journey for days, it can drink about 100 litres of water. I'm pretty sure Rebecca would have known that. And if Rebecca was a pretty strong kind of young woman, she would have been carrying a pitcher which held about 10 litres of water. That weighs about 10 kilos. Actually, 10 litres does weigh 10 kilos, just in case anyone is going to pull me up on that later. 10 litres of water weighs 10 kilos, plus the pitcher she was carrying would have been made out of clay, Um, it would have weighed a couple of kilos as well. So think about that weight. Actually, I went to Woolies because I wasn't quite sure how much 10 kilos of water would weigh. And I have a beautiful young woman sitting right in the front row. Lizzie, if you could just kind of pick up my water here. I'm a visual person, so I needed to go to Woolies and just check out what this would be. Can I tell you, 10 kilos of water is heavy. It's pretty heavy. I actually walked around Woolies with this for a while and went, I can't wait to put this down. To water one camel would have been backwards and forwards from the well 10 times. Tell me, church, how many camels there were? 10 camels. How many trips would Rebecca have done to water this man's camels? We're not mathematicians here this morning, are we? (laughs) We're talking 100 trips backwards and forwards to water 10 camels. Is Is that kind of out of the ordinary? Is that amazing? Can you see what this fleece actually was that the servant put out? A girl might put herself out to water to offer a drink to a stranger, 
But only God would orchestrate these circumstances so that a young girl would offer to water his 10 camels. It is unexpected and it leaves no room for doubt in the servant's mind that God is in this. She must be the one. It's a character test, isn't it, of sorts? Rebecca's beauty and purity are noted in the text, but more than that, she is kind and extremely generous. She's hardworking and will go the extra mile to help a stranger and even his animals in need. This girl does not shy away from a challenge. She goes to a significant cost of effort and a sacrifice of her time and her own plans for an elderly stranger. She didn't do this for Prince Charming who had come to the well. Can we just remember that? God saw her heart in all of this. The servant was impressed. How could this not be the hand of God answering his prayers? When he found out that this girl was also the great niece of his master, he had to meet her family and put forward his proposal. He was convinced that only God could do this. This chapter is actually the longest short story in the book of Genesis. It is so significant that as it is told, this story is repeated. When you're reading the chapter, you kind of go, did I have to say this again? But the significance of what takes place here is not to be missed by the audience. We are meant to be marvelling at this story every time we hear it and know that only God could be at work here. As the servant retells the whole story again to Rebecca's family with the discussion of a marriage proposition added onto it, I can only imagine that Rebecca was trying to get her head around what God was unfolding on her ordinary trip to get water that afternoon from the well. Rebecca's family could not seem to deny God's providence in this story. But they were not so keen to let their daughter go off so quickly with a stranger to a strange land to marry a strange man, even if they were distantly related, and even if it did seem like this was the hand of God. But the servant was on a mission for his master and he did not want to be delayed Actually, the one God had chosen would be prepared to leave with him. So it was probably highly surprising for an ancient Near Eastern audience listening to this story that young Rebecca was actually consulted in this decision. And I think this is a beautiful picture of God seeking his relationship, seeking relationship with his people. He does not force them to follow him. He seeks us out. He sees where we're at. He extends his gentle invitation for each one of us to enter into his divine plan for our lives. The woman here is not someone's property or baggage. She is chosen by God. She respects her, he respects her right to be a part of this decision. The choice to follow him is hers to make. Verse 57 picks up on this story. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? You can sense the suspense in this moment, can't you? I mean, if we were on home and away right now, we'd have to wait for next week for this to unfold. The suspense of the covenant promises again, hanging by a thread. Will she say yes? Is she the one? Rebecca's response is brave and bold. In verse 58, she says, I will go, she said. The courage of that statement. Sensing God's hand and his call on her life, she responds with a yes to him. I love the simple clarity of that moment of decision. 
Rebecca is accepting a part in God's unfolding plan, receiving Abraham's God as her own. God in that moment becomes personal for her. Not a God she's heard about or heard through other people, but hers. She surrenders her will, her plans for her future. She surrenders her family and her friends to the God who invites her into a relationship with him. Before she leaves her family, they pronounce a blessing over her. They say, our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. What lies in wait for her? The expectation of these words spoken. You know, the story of Rebecca actually parallels Abraham's own story, which I think makes us pause here to realise the significance of this woman woven into the patriarchal narrative. Like Abraham, Rebecca is chosen by God, called by God to leave her land and her family. Rebecca says yes to God's call and a blessing is pronounced over her life, not dissimilar to Abraham. We're not meant to dismiss this incredible woman in God's story. Have you ever wondered how an ordinary day turns into an extraordinary day? Just say yes to God. I feel like there are some of us here today who just need to say yes to him. I'll go, God. I hear you call God, I'll do it. It's kind of simple, isn't it? It might be letting go of your fear and actually saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. He's been calling you. He's seen you. He's seeking you out. Whatever it is that's holding you back, just say yes to him. Maybe it's an apology to someone. Maybe God's put on your heart to forgive someone for something that they've done to you that you've been holding on to. Say yes. Maybe it's a move to another town or another nation, another country. Maybe it's going across the street to show kindness to a neighbour. Maybe it's walking across the courtyard after church and having a conversation with someone you haven't met yet. Maybe it's responding to that request for RI trainers that that Pete talked about last week. (laughs) We gotta love this man. Maybe it's buying a ticket for Wonder Conference and inviting a friend. Maybe it's saying yes to be baptised, following Jesus in obedience for that call that he's placed on your life. The Holy Spirit might be prompting you to something right now. Don't ignore it. Say yes. I'll do it. I'll go. Give me the courage, Jesus, to say yes to you. I just wanted to share something here, something that I think God has taught me over many years. He often speaks to us when we're gathered like this. Speaks into our spirit. And I know this is confusing for someone, but it's an impression or a word that we receive as we're gathered as these people. I can't tell you the number of times I've been worshiping in this place and I've just felt God impress something in my mind or on my heart. And I'm like, that must be God. Recognize it. Be open to it. He loves it when his people gather like this. He's meeting with us here. He wants to speak to us. Examine those words. Test them for sure, but don't ignore them. Rebecca's yes here is a reception into a beautiful love story. As our yes to enter into relationship with Jesus also is. Isaac took Rebecca to be his wife and the Bible says he loved her. Isaac loved his bride. And I just can't help but seeing a picture of Jesus and the church in this relationship. Many other of the males in the story had multiple wives. Isaac didn't. He loved Rebecca. Now, if this love story was anywhere else, it would end there with a happily ever after, right? But we know that the story of God's people is that it doesn't try to hide the reality of life. 
the flaws and imperfections of these great men and women are not glossed over. The second generation of this covenant that God made with His people would also be forced to face obstacles, many that they would have to overcome. As Isaac and Rebecca's story continues in chapter 25 of Genesis, there is a small but significant half verse here in verse 21. It says here, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. Isaac was 40 when he married Rebecca. And we know as we read through this narrative that he was 60 when he became a dad. It is almost hard to believe in Rebecca's story that after this significant and costly decision that she has made to say yes to follow God, after that pronouncement of blessing that has has been made over her life, that she would spend the next 20 years childless in her marriage. The survival of this family is hanging on a miracle from God once again. Rebecca is not the first barren woman in God's story. Sarah, the generation before her, had experienced barrenness for 25 years and it expanded over nine chapters of the Bible. Rebecca's journey of 20 years of heartache gets a half a verse of mention here. Barrenness is not uncommon in the biblical narrative and is often a journey of seeking God in faith in the midst of great heartache. God is still the one unfolding his plan. He's still the one we're looking to for his promises to overcome obstacles. And he is fulfilling them and he is faithful and he's drawing his people to trust in him. I feel for Rebecca in this season. The narrative actually tells us around her story of barrenness that a lot of other people are having babies at this time. And if you have ever experienced infertility, you notice that and it's hard. We celebrate life here in this place this morning, but not to overlook the heartache that others are experiencing. Abraham, her 150-year-old father-in-law, takes another wife who goes on to bear him six more sons. Well, Rebecca has none. Then there's Ishmael, Isaac's half-brother. We read in the text here that he has 12 sons who become tribal rulers. That kind of means a lot of babies are being born here. But Isaac and Rebecca remain faithful to God in their waiting. They keep trusting in the promises of God to unfold. God's word is all they have to hold on to here, even as they wait. In the midst of this season, God affirms his covenant. The covenant that he made with Abraham, he speaks it over Isaac in this time filling him with faith to hold on. In chapter 26, verse three, he says, stay in the land, I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants, there's the promise, he's gonna have a child one day, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Think about that when you are childless. As numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Isaac and Rebecca experienced God's favor and blessing even in their childless, childlessness. Isaac planted, there's a beautiful verse in chapter 26 that says, Isaac planted crops in the land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. Wow. His animals increased, his servants increased, flocks and herds expanded. He was the envy of those around him at this time. He dug wells and there was water. 
God was providing for him every step of the way in this season, showing his grace even in their waiting. Even when it was hard to see the promises of God being fulfilled for their family, God was there reminding Rebecca that he was at work. The fingerprints of his goodness are still there, reminding her to keep believing, to keep holding on in faith. And after 20 years of waiting and trusting, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Wow. Rebecca's hope for a child is important to Isaac. He's been blessed and receiving accolades in all these other areas of his life, but he's not dismissive of his wife's hope here. And he prays for her. In God's time, his prayer is answered. Husbands here today, do you know what your wives are waiting on God for? Do you know what she carries in her heart, in her longing for God to do? Are you praying for her? It's a beautiful picture of this relationship between Isaac and Rebecca again. They wasn't blaming or arguing or giving up. They kept praying in the waiting together. What are you waiting on God for today? Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Can we pray together? Can we as a church family that God has called us to be, carry each other's hearts and burdens and needs and longings to Him. That's why we invite people to pray after our services. We're not doing this journey alone, church. We're a family coming to God together, interceding for each other. God hears these prayers. Rebecca is a reminder that in our faith journey, not only are there times where we need to go, yes, God, faith in action, let's do it. There are times where we need to wait on him, hold on and keep trusting. He keeps his promises and he's faithful to fulfill them, even if it takes 20 years. And even then, if there is only a glimmer of hope in his answer. No sooner here do we find out that Rebecca is pregnant, she senses something is not right in her pregnancy. There is a battle going on inside her. And Rebecca goes straight to God to ask him, what is going on? In chapter 25, verse 23, the Lord responds to her. He says, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Rebecca is having twins, the first recorded twins in the Bible. But instead of a double blessing to come out of her barrenness, this oracle from God is promising that this would be a a lifetime of battle. I'm sure Pastor Andrew, who is preaching on Jacob and Esau next week, will unpack this incredibly for us to grab a hold of. But this is a story that makes a mother's heart break. The expectations and hopes that Rebecca had been holding on to and these promises unfolding were now a disaster that lay in front of her. And perhaps in her desperation, for God's covenant promises to be fulfilled. She takes her eyes off trusting God to fulfill them and starts to orchestrate plans in her own way, trying to find human solutions to work out God's plans for him. Isn't that what we sometimes do? As the story of Jacob and Esau unfolds, maybe Rebecca is not the deceptive mother. Maybe she's, trying to, she's desperately trying to put in place a discerning plan because she sees that one son may well be better qualified to carry this covenant promise in their family line. 
And I really don't want to steal any more from Andrew's sermon next week, but I'm just sort of putting that out there for you, Andrew. Just a different perspective that you might want to consider here. I'll pass you my notes. (laughs) But maybe she she is a desperate mother, desperate for God to do something in the plans and promises that he has given to her. Rebecca doesn't actually get to see the outcome of God's promises. She dies holding on in hope. She dies without knowing if those promises that had been spoken over her would be fulfilled. And if we didn't know the end of this story, we we would be left feeling sad for Rebecca here. But we do know the end of the story, church. We read in his word that Jesus is the one who would come through Rebecca's offspring. That Jesus is the saviour to fulfil these covenant promises. That he has invited us into the family line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Rebecca to join the multitudes who have been received into his family to partake of the promises of life and hope and forgiveness and eternity with him. Just 700 years after Rebecca lived, Joshua came to the end of his life and after leading God's people into their promised land, he declared, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Hear that. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Joshua 23, 14. 2,000 years after Rebecca lived, Paul writing to the Corinthians says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes, in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Hear these words this morning. God is faithful to his promises. He's faithful to fulfill them. He is big enough and powerful enough to overcome your obstacles and your enemies to bring about his plans. And he's calling us to walk in faith and trust in him and who he is. Thankfully, our God is bigger than humanity. Bigger than the humanity of these characters we read about. I love that their strengths are recorded here right alongside their failures. Don't you love that? That the blessings appear right beside the obstacles and challenges. Isn't isn't that what our lives look like? Isn't that what we are? It gives us hope, doesn't it? That God doesn't give up on us in our mistakes, in our lack of faith, in the times when we stop trusting and try and do God's work for him. God keeps being faithful. He continues in his faithfulness. He continues in his love. He continues to work in the midst of it all and he calls us, keeps calling us to come to him in faith, to say yes to him, to keep believing, to keep trusting and to keep holding on. Do we worship the same God Rebecca did? Can we too keep believing in the promises he has yet to unfold in our time, in our lives? Some of you are facing obstacles and difficulties today and God is calling you to persevere in faith. I heard that word when Jason Ellsmore spoke it a few weeks ago. Persevere is a word for us, church, in this season to persevere and hold on in faith. Keep believing, keep trusting, keep saying yes in obedience to Him. I love this, these beautiful words from Psalm 145 verse 13. Hear these. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Hold on to that today. Rebecca saw the hand of God intersecting in her life, recognised God's call to enter into relationship with him. From there, it didn't actually get easier. 
She couldn't always see or make sense of what God was doing. But she continued to trust in faith. She waited and prayed. She held on even when she couldn't see the way. What has God promised to you that you're still waiting for? What difficulty is he using to grow your character, to grow your prayer life? Are you willing to trust God for his timing in his unfolding plan and not put your own plans into action? Has God placed something on your heart that he's calling you to? Listen for his voice as we worship now, church. Listen for him speaking as we pray here. What is your response this morning? Is it I will go? I will wait? I will believe? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories, God, which are just such an incredible reminder of our stories woven into your promises and your plans, your unfolding story from the beginning of creation to the end of time. You are God. You are sovereign. You are in control. And even today, God, for those who are in the middle of a season where they just can't see you, where they just don't know what you're doing here, I pray, Lord, just for an affirmation in the Spirit now that you see them and you know them. They can trust you. They can continue in faith holding on to you today. God, I pray that you would stir us to the yeses, that you are calling us to. I pray, God, that you'd find in us a people who are faith-filled and trusting you. Lord, I pray that there would be less of us and more of you. Jesus, God the Father, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to your people today, we ask in your precious name. Amen. I just want to encourage you this morning, if this, is, if this is a word for you and you know what is on your heart to keep believing and praying for, whatever that might be, however big or small it is, we love to pray in this place. In this next song, there'll be the prayer team down the front and up in the back corner. Take a moment to pray. And I also sensed a corporate word for us, church, that in the 30 years that we have being a church God planted in this community, in this place, He gave us a word of revival. And there have been times over that 30 years that I've gone, God, can you really do this? And we are believing in faith that He can and He will. And we all have a part to play in that, to keep praying, to keep holding on, to keep trusting. And so we invite you to be part of that, whether you've joined us 30 years ago or in the last week. This is part of His call on us corporately here, church. And we, we are called to be a people of faith. We are called to keep praying and believing and playing our part. So, so believe that today as we sing and worship together. Thanks, Ben.
Well, God, we declare here that our confidence is in You. It is in You. The one who spoke this world into being, the one who parted the Red Sea, broke down the walls of Jericho, the one where it seemed impossible just for one descendant came descendants greater than the stars of the sky. This is who You are, God. This is who You are. And Lord, we look to You. We look to You. And Lord, as a people, help us to humble ourselves. Help us to be willing to say, yes, God. Thank you, God, that you're a faithful God to all of your promises, Lord. We hold on to the promises that you've given us and we recognise that you can do it. You can do it. And our confidence is in you. Lord, help us to anchor our hearts in who you are, we pray. Lord, we look forward to the move of God. We look forward to all that you're going to do. Help us to be a faithful people. Help us to say yes. Help us to follow you. Help us to follow those promptings, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I'll give a hand for God. He's a good God. It's a good word for us this morning. It's all about Him. It's all about who He is, trusting Him. Keep looking to Him for those promises, those prayers that you're praying in your life. Keep looking to His faithfulness. Uh, he is, he's very good. Please be seated too, sorry. Um, and also, if you're new to Bridgeton, we would love to meet you. Or if you're just wanting to connect in more, please visit our welcome lounge there. Uh, families, there are milkshakes in the courtyard as well. Uh, online, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you.